We meet today in Isaiah chapter 17 and chapter 18. We are looking at the burden of Damascus or the burden against Damascus and Ephraim, the burden of the land beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Now, Damascus was the leading city of Syria, and it still is today. Now, many have called it the oldest city in the world. And of course, there are several cities today, several places where the same claim can be made. However, Damascus has been destroyed oftener than any other town, any other city in the world. Yet it rises again and again from the ashes. But Damascus in this chapter refers not just to that city, it also refers to the nation of Syria. The nation of Syria it has not been destroyed. It has been attacked. It has come up also again. Ephraim is the name of the tribe of Israel. It is the name also of a city. It is the name of a mountain and it is the name of a man. So Ephraim is often used in scripture to refer to the ten northern tribes of Israel. You remember when the nation of Israel got divided, the ten tribes went to the north under the leadership of Jeroboam, while the two tribes remained in around Jerusalem under the leadership of Rehoboam. Now in the northern tribe, the prophets used it that way. They called it Ephraim. Israel is stubborn like a stubborn calf. Israel is joined to idols. That is how Ephraim was described by Hosea, according to Hosea chapter 4, verse 16 and verse 17. Many other prophets concurred. What is it that Ephraim got blamed about? Was the worship of idols. You see, when Jeroboam led the ten tribes to the northern part of the kingdom, there he feared that they would go back to Judah in fulfilling the requirements that every one of them was to appear in Jerusalem to worship where the temple was. He provided alternative places, and so he built altars at there in the in Samaria, and those altars caused Israel to sin against God, for they worshipped Baals, they worshipped idols. Therefore, they are called stubborn, like a stubborn calf. They are joined to idols. Therefore, we have here in chapter 17 the burden against Damascus and Ephraim. Or in other words, the burden against the nations of Syria and Israel. Because of the confederacy or the conspiracy between Syria and Israel, often for the purpose of coming against Judah, they would gather together. Israel now is linked with the judgments pronounced against Syria. Instead of judgments coming strictly only on Syria, but Israel is also included. Why? Because Israel entered into a partnership. Israel entered into an alliance with Syria in order to try and conquer and defeat Judah. My friend, partners in crime means partners 
in judgment. And that principle is seen particularly in this prophecy. God is saying, you have partnered in doing that which is against me. You are partnering in doing something that is criminal. You are partnering in coming against my temple, my people. You are also partners in judgment. My friend, sin has a way of uniting, has a way of even not just remaining with one person, but it seeks to share with other people. Remember that when Eve was tempted in the Garden of Eden, she took the fruit and ate, but she did not remain just by herself eating. She also gave some to her husband. And now when judgment came, judgment came upon all of them. My friend, watch out your partnership. If you make partnership with an evil person, know that God will bring judgment on both of you. If you make partnership with a righteous person, that is also a blessing in your life. Isaiah chapter 17 verse 1. The burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city, and it will be a ruinous heap. Now, occasionally in the world today, an individual city serves as the key to a particular region. For example, Hong Kong has become a gateway uh, to and from China. Vancouver is a gateway from many Asians into North America. For many years, Berlin was a tightly controlled place of passage, and that was between East and West. There are key cities in Africa like Jobek, Nairobi, and Harare, which act as doorways to sub-Sahara Africa. You see, in the ancient world, Damascus was the doorway to and fro, the area that we now know today as Palestine. That was the door. Damascus, the oldest continually inhabited city in the world, as far as we know, served as a front line of defense in the north for a league of allied cities to the south. Therefore, Isaiah's startling prophecy of Damascus 4 must have shocked many of the Israelites who heard it. You see, the prophecy went like this, Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city, and it will be a ruinous heap. That message was a real shock. If Damascus were to fall, all its alleys were likely to fall as well, like a series of demeanors. That is exactly what happened. Damascus, the capital of Syria, had joined together with the northern kingdom, Israel, to attack Judah in B.C. 734. The southern kingdom hired the Assyrians to come to its rescue, according to 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 7 to verse 8, 2 Chronicles 28, verse 21. And you see, by the year 732, Damascus was captured and its ruler, King Rezin, was killed. And we have that record in Second Kings chapter 16, verse 9, just as Isaiah had prophesied and predicted. The city never again regained the prominence it had previously enjoyed. So this prophecy goes back to the earlier times in Isaiah's ministry, probably 
738 to 735 BC. This chapter is a contemporaneous with chapter 7 and it predicts the downfall of that coalition between Syria and Ephraim or Israel. Tiglath Pilsa of Assyria joined Damascus in 732, a fulfillment of this prophecy. And we are told that it will be a ruinous heap. You see here, out of this statement, there will be those who are quick to point out that this has not yet been fulfilled in as much as the present day city of Damascus claims to be the same as the original old city. But as I have said before, there is a far off fulfillment of these prophecies and a local or contemporary fulfillment also. Thus, there are two possible explanations for the problem presented by this prophecy. Some are saying Damascus has never been destroyed. Now, what are the possible explanations? The first one is this, my friend. Historians are not always accurate in their identification of such things as the locations of ancient sites. In the area of the present-day Damascus, there happens to be many ruins of a city, and any one of these ruins could be the original Damascus. Damascus is like a great many of the ancient cities, in that when it was destroyed in one place, they did not always rebuild on the same site, but shifted it somewhat to another location. You see, other cities such as the sacred city of Jerusalem were rebuilt exactly on the same site because of the significance of the location to the people. But that was not so with many other ancient cities. When it has been destroyed, they were rebuilt but slightly moved from the old site. We will just leave this problem to the archaeologist who hasn't come up with the answer as yet to which the ruins is old Damascus. Which one is old Damascus? Which one is new? But as you go into Damascus, seeing ruins all over the place, which one is the new? Which one is the old? The second explanation to this question is that Damascus has withstood the ravages of war throughout history and has never ceased being a city. Although it has shifted locations, it probably is the oldest city in the world. It thus far has survived every catastrophe that has come upon the earth, particularly in a land that has seen army after army march through it. But it will not survive during the Great Tribulation period. You see, even if that site is the same old site, the prophecy here its far-reaching consequence is it will not survive the great tribulation. It will be destroyed. And as Isaiah says here, it will cease being a city. It will become a ruinous heap. Both of these explanations show the accuracy of the prophecy that Isaiah gives here. The local application, the immediate application and even the future application. There is the prophecy regarding what was happening then and what was to happen centuries or thousands of years to come. The cities of Aroa are forsaken. 
They will be for flocks which lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Isaiah 17 verse 2. Now the cities of Aroa is a suburban area near Damascus. So this entire area would be destroyed. That's what the word of God is saying. And this probably has happened in the past, and it will happen again. The fortress will also seize from Ephraim, the kingdom from Damascus, and the remnant of Syria. They will be as the glory of the children of Israel, says the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 17 verse 3. My friend, the northern kingdom of Israel must bear her share of the burden or the judgment against Damascus because of the alliance that they have, because of a partnership that they are in. Both were besieged by Tiglath-Pilsar as recorded in Second Kings 15 and they were finally deported by the Assyrian. Shalmanazar is recorded in Second Kings 17. This certainly was a partial fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, and as far as many are concerned, it is the total fulfillment. But I feel that all of this is looking even to a future day. Certainly this has been fulfilled partially at least, but oftentimes in the word of God, we find that God is letting us know by giving an earlier partial fulfillment, that a prophecy will be completely fulfilled in future. In the remainder of this chapter, we will find that the judgment is going to be carried out. I will not go into much detail here, because you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not been faith and have not been mindful of the rock of your stronghold. Therefore, you will plant pleasant plants and set out foreign seedlings. Isaiah 17 verse 10. Here Isaiah is talking to the northern kingdom of Israel, and what he says has already happened and literally fulfilled. It has its spiritual application also, as all of this does. The land of Israel in our day has been planted with pleasant plants and seedlings. I enjoyed the time when I walked around the area of Galilee. You would not imagine the bananas, the mangoes, the olives, all these beautiful trees, the orange trees. See how they are even doing with the tomatoes. Even in the valley of Jezreel, great agriculture is taking place. You see, it has been planted with pleasant plants. You just enjoy them. The forests of the cedars of Babylon have almost been removed, but there are many trees in Israel, in that land. The Mount of Olives was covered with trees, but while the Turks, while the Turks controlled Palestine, practically all the land was denuded of its granary. After World War I, England began a movement to plant trees in that land, and the present government of Israel has continued this policy so that literally millions of trees have been set out. You see how they are growing the dates even in the desert, turning a desert into a forest. This prophecy was fulfilled.
Move on now to chapter 18, talking of the burden of the land beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Chapter 18 of Isaiah deals with the fifth burden against the land beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. The exact nation that Isaiah had in mind has not been clearly established, so there have been many interpretations. Some have thought that he is talking about Egypt, but the description does not fit that country. Also, Egypt is the subject of the next chapter, where we see that God is not through with that kingdom. Prophecy has been fulfilled concerning Egypt. So, which Ethiopia is addressed by this prophecy? Well, there are two Ethiopias mentioned in Scripture. And the word for Ethiopia is Cush. There is one in Asia according to Genesis chapter 2 verse 13. And there is one in Africa. Now I believe we are talking about the Ethiopia that is in Africa. It is the land beyond the rivers. And the rivers of Ethiopia are the Nile River. So the prophet pronounces now woe or doom on the land of Ethiopia which rose to such power that it overran all of Egypt in 715 BC. The Ethiopian dynasty of this period, of course, which was Egypt's 25th, was headed by Shabak, who reigned in 715 to 701, and Shebitiko, who reigned 701 to 690 BC. Then Sennacherib of Assyria finally crushed the Ethiopian forces at El Teka in 701 BC. Now you see, God calls the world's attention to Ethiopia. War to the land shadowed with buzzing wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Woo! is an unfortunate translation even in this verse. Actually, it is the same word that is translated as ah in Isaiah 1 verse 4, where it is a sigh or as a ho in Isaiah 55, where it is a form of address that demands attention. Hello, as it were. Or do you hear me? Or do you get me? You see, God here is saying, Ho to the land, hear me, listen to this, pay attention. What is it that he is saying? Isaiah 18 verse 2, which send ambassadors by sea, even in vessels of reed on the water, saying, Go swift messengers to a nation tall and smooth of skin, to a people terrible from their beginning onward. A nation powerful and treading down, whose land the rivers divide. Now, a nation tall and smooth of skin is making reference to Israel here. This is patently evident, and most of the sound students of the word concur in that interpretation. All inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth when he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it. And when he blows a trumpet, you hear it. Isaiah 18 verse 3. Many students of the word of God consider the banner mentioned here to be the ark of the tabernacle, which was later transferred to the temple. 
It disappeared at the time of the Babylonian captivity, and there is a tradition which says it was carried to Ethiopia. Isaiah 18, verse 7. In that time, a present will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth of skin, and from a people terrible from the beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land the rivers divide, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, to Mount Zion. Now this evidently is a reference to the time when the kingdom of Christ will be established here on the earth, and the Ethiopians will come again to Jerusalem to worship. They will come to Israel there and worship. There is no judgment spoken against them. In Psalm 8 of 7 verse 4, evidently, in reply to what he is doing in Jerusalem, the Ethiopian answers that he was born here. God has wonderful things to say about Ethiopia. He has wonderful things to say about Africa. He has wonderful things to say about any nation. That is why he pronounces these wars against nations. But he is the same God who pronounces blessings upon nations that obey God. The same he does for individuals who obey him. Verses 6 to verse 7 provide an interesting anticipation of the judgment salvation theme of chapter 19. The very people who had sent word to Judah to secure her cooperation in a military venture would now come again with gifts for the same true God, for the true God who is to be worshipped in Zion. You see, my friend, Christ will be worshipped again, and Zion will be the center from which he will rule this world. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.